Uh, we're in this series. If you have your, your journals, you can, you can open up your journal. Uh, if you don't have a journal, pick one up on your way out. If you forgot your journal today, it's okay. No worries. Um, and if you're new, the journals are free for you, so be sure to grab one of those. Uh, it's a great tool to help you walk through the book of John. Now, we are in this month during, during Lent, so through February and March, all the way up to April 1st, we're going to read through the entire Gospel of John, which is the stories of Jesus recorded by a man named John. It's super uh, creative that they named it John. <laughs> written by John. The good news according to John. We're going to read through all these stories that were written down. Um, uh, well, something I love about the Olympics, uh, and, and I think we're going to lean into this a little bit today, I love the stories that come out of the Olympics of different athletes. Don't, don't you love some of the stories that, that you hear? And something about the stories kind of transcend uh, the national boundaries that we have. There's something about the stories, like when you hear a particular story about an athlete who has overcome something, um, who, is, who has made it through something challenging, like don't you root for them even if they're not from the United States or Canada for our Canadian friends? Don't you root for them? Like half of you have no heart. What, what is wrong with you? We root for them. Those stories capture us, and they transcend nationalistic boundaries that, that tend to keep us apart. And um, if we need anything in our world today, it's something to bring us together, isn't it? I mean, we, uh, we are really good right now at separating from one another, at drawing some boundaries and, and pointing out them and us, whoever them and us is. And uh, I, I think it's one of the enemy's greatest tools in our world is, is, is the desire. The, I think the enemy desires to disconnect us from one another, to, to have us fight about issues rather than sit at a table and talk about things. And social media, okay, I did not mean to get into this this morning, but I'm, can I go there just for a second? Social media um, has a way of, of causing us to make statements and depersonalize other people in a way that's not healthy. And, and we tend to say things with, with good meaning. I think we do these things with good meaning because we feel passionate about certain things, but there are times when, when um, it would be much better to sit down at a table and talk to those I disagree with rather than make statements and depersonalize those I disagree with. And, um, yeah, so, so anyway, I think, I think we're in a, in a divided world. I think coming together is a good thing. The Olympics sometimes helps us to do that. Um, John tells these two stories that you're going to read this week uh, that I want to I want to kind of bring out some ideas from them. And I think they have to do with this a little bit and the kind of God that we have, this God who loves all of us. And so I just want to tell you these two stories briefly, and, and then you're going to read them this week, right? Yes, yes, you're going to read them this week, and you're going to discover some things that are fascinating about them. Now, John is telling us the stories and the teachings of Jesus. And if you miss everything else in the book of John, don't miss this, that John wants us to know if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Like Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you've ever wondered, now most people in the world, not everybody, but most people in the world believe that there's a God. 
But the disconnect oftentimes is we can't see God, so what is God like? And John, John is saying, no, no, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. So don't miss that as you read through the book of John. It's, it's a picture of God. Jesus is giving us a picture, a human picture, something we can understand of who God is. Another way to say this is if, if you want to know what God is like, get to know Jesus. Like Jesus is the one who helps us to understand who God is. And that's the point of this series is to help us know God better, to help us understand God better and, and to, to experience his love through Jesus. So here's the two stories. I want to begin with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, many of you have probably heard the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was, um, was a Pharisee. He was, he was one of the elite, the religious leaders of his day. He was well respected in his community. Now, the two stories I, I'm going to tell you today have, have some, some pretty big differences. And so, so these little details are important. Jewish religious leader, well respected, the elite probably didn't have to worry about money, um, probably didn't have to worry about friends. He, he just was in the in crowd. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Kind of had it all together. Well respected. Now, Nicodemus uh, approaches Jesus at night, which is interesting. Why would Nicodemus approach Jesus at night? Why do you think? He was worried about his reputation. Jesus was a controversial figure in that day. And so Nicodemus was, was, was a part of a group that kind of had to keep their image together. And so, uh, so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He approaches Jesus at night. And you know the cool thing? Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care when we approach him. He, he's always open to people who are seeking him. Jesus, like, opens the conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus begins... Um, asking Jesus some questions. And, and what we find, the heart of what's going on with Nicodemus is he has come to find, and you'll get this when you read this week, he has come to find that the, the very religion that he has mastered has left him wanting. There is something missing in religion. And, and Nicodemus can't figure out what it is. And he comes to Jesus to, to find out what... Jesus, what is missing? Now, isn't this interesting uh, that a religious leader, uh, elite, he kind of knows, he gets it, he knows it, he tells other people about it, that he comes to Jesus saying, I, I, there's, there's something that I'm not getting with this. Isn't that interesting? And, and Jesus, in, in the way that Jesus does, welcomes Nicodemus to the conversation. And Jesus makes this statement uh, to Nicodemus, which sounds a little bit strange. Uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God. In other words, no one can get in and, and kind of be a part of this, this work that God is doing. No one can do this unless he or she is born again. Now, some of you will remember the days when uh, Jimmy Carter, he, he, uh, he took a lot of flack for talking about being a born-again Christian. You remember that? Um, but, but this is kind of where it comes from, that, that idea that... Uh, that, that we are born again comes from Jesus' words that we can't get into the kingdom through, uh, now catch this, we can't get into the kingdom through following the rules. Let me say that one more time. We can't get into the kingdom simply by following the rules. Jesus says there's a rebirth that has to take place within us, that no one can get in unless they are reborn. 
which Nicodemus is like scratching his head, and, and he's like, what do you mean? Like, is, can I, it's kind of gross. Can I re-enter my mother's womb and be born again? That makes no sense whatsoever. Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's, it's a rebirth by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God coming in and doing something again in you that you, you can't do uh, in yourself. I love this thought. Um, isn't this desire to be born again in many of us? Don't we want to start anew, to, to leave behind past hurts and old ways? Don't, don't, you, don't you from time to time want to start all over again? Have you ever found yourself saying, if only, if only I could get past my past. If only I could, could start afresh. I mean, I think that's common to humanity. Many of us. And, and Jesus says it's possible. Uh, the, the message of Jesus is one of transformation where the Spirit enters into us and changes us, not from following the rules, but changes us from the inside to the out, to where we simply begin to act differently, not because we want that to be what gets us with God, but rather because what's inside of us moves us to be different kinds of people. And there is a huge difference in those two things, in just following the rules to be accepted and following the rules because something within us wants to follow what God has laid out before us. Two very different approaches to living life. Okay, so we have a religious leader. His name's Nicodemus. And then in the next chapter, John, in his brilliant way, throws us another story that is a radical uh, shift from the story of Nicodemus. And it's the story of the woman at the well. Now, many of you have heard the woman at the well. It's like one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. John, uh, I don't know if I've told you this, is my favorite book in the Bible. And I love that we're reading through the book of John during the, the season of Lent. And um, I hope you are too. I, I hope you love that we're going to read through this together. It's, it's just fascinating. John is brilliant. So he tells us the story of Nicodemus, and then he gets to the, to the woman at the well. So the story of the woman at the well is interesting. She has no name. She's the woman at the well. Well, that's unfair. Like, we don't even know what to call her. And so the author says, well, she's just going to be the woman at the well. Nicodemus has a name. He, he's a religious elite. He's, he's kind of the who's who in culture at that time. Not only that, she's the bottom of society. She, she's, she's kind of an outcast. Now, don't throw anything at me. But in this, this culture, women just had no standing whatsoever. Their only standing was through the men that they were connected to. No standing. She was at the bottom of society. And not just that, in the religious world in this day and age, the Samaritans were despised, and she was a Samaritan woman, despised. They were thought of almost as a cult. So she's kind of on the bottom, on the outs, the woman at the well. So, so Jesus, she, do, she doesn't even a, a, approach Jesus. Um, Jesus approaches her. Now, Jesus had a reputation to think about, but he did not care when it came to the woman at the well. He wasn't worried about what people would say about him. Jesus comes to this woman, and he begins a, a conversation. The interesting thing is she's avoiding people when she runs into Jesus. She's at this well outside of her village that women would normally come to in the morning, but she's there at noon. Why? Because she wants to avoid 
everyone in town. And it just so happens Jesus is there. So he asks her for some water, begins this, this conversation. And when he gets personal, she does not like this. He, he tells her, he says, hey, go get your husband and bring him. And she's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus kind of knowing, he says, of course you don't. You've had like five husbands. And the man you're with now isn't your husband. Now, how would you like to meet someone who knew that about you when you were trying to avoid everyone around you? How would you like that? See, here's, here's the deal with God. He knows. He knows. But he still engages us, and it doesn't keep him from pursuing us through Jesus. I just love this. Um, for her, men aren't enough. I thought I'd get an amen from some of the women in the room, but um, she had found that men just weren't, weren't enough. There was something, there was something not there. I mean, she had gone through five, six, who, who knows how many. They just weren't enough. There was something missing. She was looking for something in men that men could not fulfill. Now, hey, before we, like, give her a bad rap, we all do this. Men, we do this all the time. We usually do it with our work. Like, we usually are looking in our work for something that, that cannot be fulfilled in our work, but we're looking for it there. And we can't figure out why the work or the stuff that the work provides for us, we can't figure out why it doesn't just feel like, man, I thought once I got to this level that that would be enough. But it's never enough, is it? It's never enough. Um, enough is a sliding scale. You know what the definition of enough is? Just a little bit more. It's always moving, right? It's always just a little bit more. She found out that men weren't enough. Something's missing. Now, when Jesus gets to this in her life, she, like, shifts the conversation into religious questioning because she's like, oh, you must be a prophet. Uh, let's not get personal. <laughs> you know too much about me already. She, she wants to go into the religious. Now, isn't that like us? Like, even in church, when, when, we, when we begin to feel like God, kind of getting into the truth of our life, we want to shift the conversation to something else. Oh, I don't like that music. I, when she starts talking about worship, you know, she's like, you guys say you should worship here. We say you should worship here. Well, you know, what's the truth? What style of worship? And Jesus is like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. He's like, your, your heart, the spirit is what matters. So Jesus says, uh, those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. In other words, they'll never have to go searching for fulfillment again. Like once you experience, once you experience Jesus, he says it becomes this fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them, and here's this little phrase, eternal life. Now, when we think of eternal life in today's world, we usually think about heaven. Like, when we see the phrase eternal life, most of us who grew up in church, we've been programmed to think eternal life means heaven. But in the first century, eternal life did not just mean heaven. It meant a different kind of fulfilling life here and now. And so it's very different than what we often think of Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is that, that this fresh bubbling spring, this fulfillment comes within them through the Spirit, giving them eternal life here and now. He's not telling the woman at the well, one day you'll get to experience something great. Just wait. No, no, he's telling her, you can experience this now. 
through the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds strange to those who are kind of new to the faith, like what is this Holy Spirit thing? But it's God's Spirit within us, and it's always moving us in a direction towards God. Sometimes we talk about it like in, in, in the, the, the framework of our conscious, you know, that we have this like um, angel and devil. And <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is something within us, moving us in the direction of God. I think all of us could think of a time in our life when we had a, a decision to make and we knew the right decision. Like, we knew what the right di direction was to go, right? And I don't know whether or not we, we chose it, but when you know the right direction, that's the spirit within you moving you that way. Here's, here's what these two stories, I think, teach us, is that, uh, is that Jesus is the open door to God for, what's that next word? Everyone. Jesus is the open door to God for everyone. Everyone. You, me, us, them. You know, fill in the blank. Everyone. No one excluded. And Jesus is the one who pursues both. He's open to Nicodemus, the religious leader who thinks he has it all figured out, but there's something not there. He's open to the one who's despised, the one who's rejected, the lowest of the lows. No matter what you've experienced in life, Jesus not only is open, but he pursues her in conversation. Like, Jesus is the open door to everyone, no one excluded. There is no one excluded from God. And listen, this isn't a nationalistic thing. There are no lines that define this. It is an open door to everyone through Jesus. And here's what I've come to find about myself, and maybe, maybe you can relate to this as well, is that for the most part... Um, I, I just want rules to help me please God. I, may, maybe this is not true for you, but oftentimes I, I'm just looking for, like, how can I just make God happy? Like, that's just what I want to know. I just want to do the right thing so that God's pleased with me and I'll have a good life and then one day I'll get to go to heaven and it'll all be good. That's what I just want some new rules. And when we do that, we're simply looking for a renewal of religion. Help me in, in this religious structure. Help me to please God so that he'll smile on me, so that he'll bless me. Anybody else been there with me? Please say yes. <laughs> please tell me I'm not the only one who just wants to please God with the rules. I just, so often, I just want to please God, and I'm like, just tell me what to do. And Jesus says, it doesn't work that way. That will never be fulfilling to you. Even if you get all the rules right, there'll be something that you'll be missing. Um, go, go back um, to that last. Yeah. Jesus points to a rebirth of self, becoming a new person. And this is guided by the, by the Spirit, and it's not by rules and laws. Now, I know where this rubs us the wrong Like, we get this, like, so does that mean we don't have to follow the rules and the laws, and do we have to? Or what? Well, there's, there's obedience that's a part of it, but that obedience is a part of our desire to become new people, new kinds of people. It's just a very different motive from just wanting to follow the laws so that God's happy. It's just a very different motive, and I think we all get that. Um, every now and then, my kids kind of get in fights. Do your kids ever fight? 
um, every, every now and then. And, and Rob and I will sit down and we'll say, hey, you need to apologize to your brother. And, and they're like, I'm sorry. And we're like, no, no, we want you to mean it. But you can't make a kid mean that they're sorry. Like either they mean it or they don't. Either it's, it's, it's genuine or it's not. And motives make all the difference when it comes to our faith. Makes all the difference. So, yeah, um, have you found the rules to be empty? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think generally, I mean, there, there's a spectrum, but I think uh, generally we're, we're either on one side or the other. We're like, uh, we're like the one, the rule followers. I'm a rule follower. How many rule followers do we have in the room? Yeah. Um, most rule followers will raise their hands when I ask them the question. <laughs> They're like, yes. If you're a rule follower, just stand up right now. You're like, okay, whatever you tell me to do. We've got rule followers like Nicodemus who come to find at some point in your life that rules will never fulfill you, that there's something missing in the rules. And then on the other end of the spectrum, and there's everything in between, there are those who have rebelled against everything maybe they've been taught or they've learned in religion or, you know, they, they just rebel and they just go far the other direction. And they've searched for it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because you wouldn't anyway. But um, <laughs> like you've run from God and you've just tried everything else. And, and you've found or you will find at some point that there's just it won't work. Like there's something missing over here as well. What's interesting with Jesus. Um, and he's, he, he tells us again in story after story is that it's usually the, those on this side that realize it's so much quicker than the rule followers over there. You know? Like the ones who have, who, have, who have run, like Jesus has this heart because, because usually those on this side realize and, and, and turn back to God so much easier than those who demand, and I followed all the rules, I'm doing the right things, God, you should love me, and you should make them work their way back to you like I have. Like, that's usually this person over here. That's me. That's my tendency. And um, at, at some point or another, we're going to find it on both sides. Have you, have you found the rules to be empty? And the, and the second question, have you found relationships, status, success, jobs, whatever it is, don't fulfill you like you once imagined they would fulfill you? Like, this, these are the stories for you and for me, where God says, through Jesus, once you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. You must, if you want to get into the kingdom, if you want to see the kingdom, you, you, you must be born again. You must experience this, this spiritual renewal of your soul. And you can't do this on your own. Um, this is where the most famous of all Bible verses is found when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only now, l listen to how broad that is. For God so loved the... Yeah, look how broad that is. Isn't that beautiful? For God so loved the world. He gave his only son and anyone and everyone who would believe this would not perish but have eternal life. And again, that eternal life isn't just about then and there. It's, it's here and now. Like we have the opportunity here and now. Um, usually we stop here because that's the famous verse. But the next verse is just as important. He goes on, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
And so many of us feel condemned. So many of us feel condemned. Jesus wants to save us towards something. He wants to save us from ourselves because we tend uh, to, to, to ruin it on our own. <laughs> he wants to save us from ourselves, but he also wants to save us to something. What is that? He wants to save us to a life that is fulfilling and everlasting. And I think down deep, that's what we all want. It's what we all search for. We just look in so many different ways. Man, I love the stories of Jesus. Like, you should read the Bible. There's some good stuff in there, isn't there? I love the stories of Jesus. If you want, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, get to know Jesus. Um, Joe and the crew are going to lead us in, a, in another song called Reckless Love. And um, I love, th this song is this beautiful picture of the reckless love of God. And it tells us that he's willing to do whatever it takes to reach us to get to us. And there's this really strange line in the song that says he leaves the 99. And if you're religious and you've grown up in church, you probably know what that means. If you're kind of new to the church, um, you probably have no idea what it means that he leaves the 99. This is what Jesus, Jesus tells a story. And he said, you know, it's like a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he values every sheep. And, and imagine that one one of those sheep kind of wandered away and kind of got lost in the wilderness. And he said, wouldn't that shepherd who loves all that sheep, wouldn't he leave the 99? W wouldn't he leave those 99 to go find that one wherever it was? And he would search high and low and move any obstacles to find that one. And then Jesus said that shepherd would, would pick that sheep up and put it on his shoulders and walk back so proud that he had saved the one and he would throw a party to celebrate it. And then Jesus says this, this is what God does. And I want you to know this today, that, that no matter where you are on the spectrum, God comes after you. He pursues you with his love. He has sent Jesus Christ to give you a picture of that love and to move us into a new place, into the kingdom of God. Like God is pursuing you, you, you. Even if you don't want it, God's pursuing you and he loves you more than you can ever imagine. As we, as we sing this song, um, I want you to embrace that. Maybe you've never embraced that in your, your entire life. And maybe today, like, you're going to wake up in a new way like, yes, I want to experience that rebirth. I want, I want that. Listen, God says if you, if you turn back towards him through Christ, if you turn back towards him, his arms are wide open. Like, it's not about jumping through hoops and figuring anything out. It's, it's wide open. You can, you can do that today, to turn back and say, God, I've been on my own, running after my own things, and today I embrace Jesus for what he's done for me. You can do that today. One more thing about this story, this woman um, at the well with no name. Twelve disciples have gone into town, and they return to find Jesus talking with this, this woman, and they're concerned for his reputation which he has you know, no concern for at this point. They, they bring no one out of town with them. 
this woman returns to town. She's not even convinced that he is who he says he is, but because she starts talking, remember the woman who wanted to avoid people goes into town, starts telling people about the conversation she has with Jesus, and a crowd comes to Jesus because of her testimony. Even, even if you aren't convinced yet, but you're interested. Like there is something about that testimony, sharing that with other people that draws people to God. And um, as, we, as we move towards Easter, we'll see this again and again and again. Just the importance of, of the invitational life, inviting other people into this love of God. And I would tell you this year, as you, as you begin to think of this, as you read through the book of John, don't bring or don't don't come alone this Easter. Don't come alone this Easter. Bring someone with you. And the common phrase in scripture was come and see. Just come and see. Just come and see. Don't come alone this Easter. Don't come alone. Bring somebody with you. God may use you to change the course and the trajectory of someone else's life. Now, isn't that awesome that God could use you to do that? Yeah, that's what he wants to do this year. And so now, as you walk through this week, May you realize wherever you are on the spectrum that Jesus pursues you. May, may you receive his love and his grace and his mercy. May you understand more and more fully this reckless love that comes after you. And then may you, through the rebirth of the Spirit, may you become a new person. May you be transformed to be more like Christ. And may you experience in the here and now of our world the love that God is talking about, the life truly worth living, which is what we all want anyway. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.